Thank you for listening to BLC Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. It's a blessing to be here at Breakthrough Life Church. Katinka and I hold this congregation in high regard as we do the leadership of the church. And Pastor John has been a personal friend and mentor to me, especially over the last two years. And so we just, just with great honor that I stand here and count it a privilege to share. There's a group of us from uh, Cross Culture City Church from our youth uh, that came to support us. So would you just wave at everyone? They're the crazy bunch. They are the crazy bunch. And um, so yeah, this morning, Daryl tried to use a bit more detail to, to kind of describe and the, how many years I was here and, and most of what he said was wrong. And so I thought of, <laughs> so, so tonight he didn't try too much, but I, I thought of this, I thought of this story where, where this, this guy, I think his name was Jack, um, I don't know, I can't remember his name, Jack, say Jack Frost. And so he was invited to speak at this business conference and uh, the MC introduced him and he says, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Jack Frost. And, um, and he made uh, $100 billion in one gold transaction. And he's here to tell you about his success story and how he made $100 billion uh, US dollars in one transaction. And when, when Jack came to speak, he said, before I continue, I just need to um, correct uh, the MC. Uh, first of all, it, it wasn't me, it was my brother. Secondly, it wasn't gold, it was oil. And, um, and thirdly, he didn't make $100 billion, he lost $100 billion. But, but everything else the MC said about me was true, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. But we're honored to be here, it's, it's wonderful, we love this house, we love what God is doing here. And um, I'm gonna be speaking tonight on the power to create wealth for those of you who did not attend this morning. This morning I spoke on a, on a little book called Fearless Courage and how God addressed Gideon and how he addresses each one of us as a mighty man or mighty woman of fearless courage. And so I wanna give away this book here tonight. If you're in a position where you really need courage, okay, let me do this. Anybody here that had their birthday in the, yesterday, today? Any birthdays today? Okay, no birthdays. Nobody in this church has their birthdays today. Yesterday. When is it coming? It's, no, that's too far. <laughs> For, no, no, there's no proxy here, sorry. You really want this book, don't you? She does, eh? Bless you, sister. Wonderful. <laughs> and, um, and then there's this book I'm gonna talk about tonight and, and it will really change your life. Um, it has changed, a lot, it changed my life and it changed many other people's lives and it's called The Power to Create Wealth and I'll talk a bit more about it. And so I'm gonna give this away at the end of the service. And for those of you who really don't like reading, because only 20% of people read, do you know that? I don't know what the other 80% do. They watch TV. <laughs> but uh, what we've done is we've put the, the audio version, the audio teaching in seven sessions of this Power to Create Wealth on a little cart like this. It's a USB cart that flips open. 
and you can either put it in your car and listen or, or put it in your phone and, and listen. So some people like to do that while they're gymming or while they're driving. And so this is also available. I only have 10 of these. So um, if you're interested in one, if you're not a reader, get one of these. Um, it's as good as the book. It's like a condensed version of the book and you will get the impartation of the knowledge in your spirit. Because tonight I'm gonna do this, just an introduction, but it will really quicken something in your spirit, I would trust. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word, that it's alive, that it's well, and that the same word with which you spoke the universe into being comes to us tonight and can change our world, Lord. When the earth was filled with darkness and with a void, and with chaos, you spoke a word and that word created light into darkness, form into chaos and structure and, and, uh, into the, the, the chaos and the emptiness. And so we know that your word tonight can recreate the things in our lives that seem dark and confusing and not clear and that your word can create light into our darkness and form into our chaos and substance into our void. And so we give your word permission, Lord, to speak to us tonight. Under the unction of the Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so three years ago, I had a dream. And in this dream, I arrived at our church facility. And when I arrived there, it was in the middle of the day. All the doors were open. There were church folk moving about. And someone came running out, calling me, say, Pastor, please come and look. They're robbing our church. And so when I walked into the church, I saw this, this crew of thieves and they were all like dressed like men in black, like black tuxedos and white collared shirts and everything. And they were carrying things out of the church. And I, and I, and I identified the one person as the leader of this group and I confronted him and he happened to be Liam Neeson in my dream. Okay. <laughs> really, in my dream it was Liam. Okay. The night before I watched Batman Returns, was it the one with my boys? So it's obviously played on my mind, but, but there was Liam in my dream and he was robbing my church or our church. And I was confronting him and saying, hey, what are you doing? Why are you robbing um, God's people? Why are you robbing the church? And he answered me in a very flippant way. He said, what's your problem, dude? But he didn't sound like that. He was like, what's your problem, dude? It's like, I've got a certain set of skills that makes me very dangerous to people like you. I will find you and I will kill you. Something like that, you know. <laughs> and I must say, I woke up in a cold sweat and God began to speak to me and he said, it's true that it has become the norm that my people leave doors open and because they leave doors open, the enemy has a field day in robbing them. All the blessings I want to give them is, is been robbed from them. And he says, I want to speak to you. Now, if I can just rewind, I'm, I'm, I've been in ministry for full-time ministry for 23 years. Uh, but when the Lord called me many, many years ago, and my dad's a pastor as well, I said, geez, Lord, um, I really want to answer your call. But we grew up in the time where the church believed, you know, we will keep the pastor poor and God must keep him humble. And I said, Lord, I really have a dream of having a family, a wife and kids. And I really would want to give them a better life than what, what we have had as kids. Because we, I mean, we were so poor that we couldn't even pay attention in class. <laughs> you know, you're poor when the poor people look at you and call you poor. <laughs> and I said, Lord, but I'll answer your call, but, but, but help me out. You have to, because on the one hand, we grew up really poor. And on the other hand, 
You had this prosperity teaching that, that just was off the charts and you had American preachers that flew in with their Lear jets and milked people for money and abused the church for money and they walked away with bags of cash and left a lot of poor people behind. How many of you have been there and done that? You've got a t-shirt and a cap. And I said, Lord, I, I, I'm not signing up for that but I also don't want to sign up for this. <laughs> can, you, can you please? And he said to me, I will speak to you about wealth and I will teach you but for now just follow me and that follow me was 20 years. It took 20 years. And at some point, God called, just after we got married, God called Katinka and I to go to the mission field in Malaysia for, for a couple of years. And he said this to me. He says, don't ask any person for money. Don't ask sponsors. Now, the, the normal thing when you, when you go on missionary, you get people that sponsor you monthly amounts of money and that kind of carries your expenses so you can survive on the other side. God just says, go, I will provide for you. And in two years of mission work, we didn't ask one person a cent of money, Never. We have actually, in 23 years of ministry, have never asked someone for money for ourselves. And that is a, is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. But then three years ago, I had the dream and he said, I want, you, I want to speak to you about wealth. Now is the time. I said, okay, Lord, we're going on a two-week break or holiday. What prosperity book must I take? Because I've got a whole cupboard full of books and stuff. He says, leave all of them. Take your Bible. And I want you to read the Bible cover to cover and do a survey of scripture. And I'm gonna show you a wealth plan. And as I open the Bible in the first chapter, and I'm gonna read that scripture a little bit later. In the first chapter of the Bible, the wealth plan of God for his people just unfolded like this. It was like a puzzle. I had all the pieces, but it all just came together in a scope of two weeks. And from cover to cover, I just saw the wealth plan of God for his people. And if you go and study the lives of the, of the Jewish people, you'll find that most of these principles, they live by, not for centuries, but for thousands of years. And that's why they're the most blessed people on earth. You know, the world, in the Second World War, the world stripped the Jewish people of all their wealth. But within a few decades, they'd bounce back. Why? Because they live by the wealth plan of God. Now, if they can do it under the old covenant, how much more should we under the new covenant? And so can I share a little bit about that, my journey? I, I think it will really bless you. Some biblical blueprints for wealth. Okay, let's just quickly talk about this. Jesus says in John 10 verse 10, I've come to give you life and that abundantly. I've come to learn, we've come to learn that abundant life consists of three elements, health, wealth, and relationships. Think about it. What is abundant life? What is life that overflows? The Afrikaans says, leve wat Life that overflows. When does your life overflow? When is it abundance? When in the areas of health, wealth, and relationship, you have an excess that you can share with other people. I know many people that are stinking rich, but they're dying of cancer and there's no cure for them because money can't buy health. It can buy a hospital plan or a, or a medical aid, but it can't buy a healthy life. I know many rich people who on their dying bed have so much regret because they didn't spend enough time with their wife so their wives left them so they're on their sixth wife and their children don't want to speak to them because they neglected their children. They chose money above relationships. And so abundant life isn't having money at the cost of relationship or money at the cost of, of my health. Abundant life is when there's a godly overflow of health, wealth and relationship in my life. I had a rich golfing friend and we were two pastors. Me and my friend was a, was a mutual friend and, and he was stinking rich. Um, 
He had an excess of a few hundred properties that he lived off. His beautiful wife, two daughters. One of, one of his daughters was, a, was an international model and um, beautiful children. And, and he, he was serving God. But, but one day during a game of golf, my pastor friend challenged him and he said, have you ever thought that there's a bigger purpose to your wealth than just self-consuming it? And uh, needless to say, the guy got offended by that question. He played a really bad round of golf. We managed to beat him, so it was a good, it was a good tactic. But, <laughs> but that was not the purpose. He got so offended that the friendship broke down, and within one year, he had lost everything. He lost his marriage, he lost his wealth, he, he lost contact with his daughters. He, he ended up on street. He was living on the street for a few months. You see, Paul writes in in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So if somebody gets cancer at the age of 45 because of the stress related to making money, that's a piercing, isn't it? If your wife leaves you because you're so obsessed with money that you don't spend time with her, that's a piercing. A divorce is like a piercing. You only have to ask somebody that's gone through that heartache. If your children don't want to speak to you because you've always placed money and success above them, that's a piercing. And Paul says that if we pursue money, if we chase money through the love of money, we will wander from the faith and pierce ourselves with many griefs and other many more griefs. But then the wise King Solomon wrote, now how many of you know that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived on earth? Okay. I sometimes question that because any man who marries a thousand women cannot be that wise. But okay, history has signed that he's the wisest man. But one thing I do not challenge is Solomon was the richest individual person that ever lived. Do you know that? If you look at what the Bible says about his wealth, wealth portfolio, it measures up to about one trillion US dollars. Now, Bill Gates sits, I think, at about 80 to 90 billion US dollars. Okay, that means that Solomon was over 20 times wealthier than Bill Gates. In fact, the 30 richest people in the world, if you combine their wealth, it equals one trillion US dollars. I'm not talking about families. There's families that are richer than that. I'm talking about individual people. The 30 richest individuals together equals the sum of Solomon's riches. He was quite a wise man and a rich man. And he wrote this, he says, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. And listen to this, he adds no sorrows or that word sorrows can also be translated piercings. You see, the love of money causes me to be pierced with many griefs, but it's the blessing of the Lord that makes it, and he adds no piercings to it. So there is a way in which we can build wealth without it being at the cost of my relationships and my health. Does that make sense? Okay. God's heart is abundant life for all of us, but abundant life is not money, at the cost of relationships. It's not money at the cost of my health. 
The second thing I want to highlight is that we need to uncap our thinking. If we're going to create wealth the God's way, we need to uncap our thinking. Turn to someone you love or somebody sitting close to you and say, you better uncap your thinking. If, if you're tech savvy, turn to them and say, upgrade is pending. Say, hey, upgrade is pending. And, and the reason why, we, why I'm saying this is, how many of you know that poverty is a mindset? Poverty is a mentality. Last week I was praying and God spoke to me so clearly. He said, Jan, he said, I can change your reality if you change your mentality. Listen to this. I can change your reality like this if you're willing to change your mentality, but your mentality informs your reality. People are not poor because they have no money. They are poor because they think poor thoughts. I know some people that lives in the biggest mansions and drives the biggest flat cars that you can think of that are so poor. You know, there's a difference between wealth and riches. Riches is everything the eye can see. Many people look rich, but they're actually poor. Riches gives me buying power. In other words, I can buy that car, I can buy that boat, I can buy this holiday, or I can buy this, this house. But wealth is something that is enduring. Wealth is something that pays me. And in Scripture, and this is for free, it's not part of the, the preparation, but in Scripture, there's four wealth currencies that stood the test of time over millenniums of history. And these are the four wealth currencies. It is commodities, gold, silver, diamonds, coal, platinum. It is livestock, cows, sheep, chicken. Rabbits. Rabbits are a very lucrative farming business these days. Come on, guys, you know it. What's the four wealth currencies, Luke? <laughs> it's property, commodities, yeah, human resources, human capital, and property or, or land. And if you look over time, over 100 years, the value of land has never decreased. The only time where it will momentarily decrease if it was overvalued for a time and then just self-corrects. But over time, over 10, 20, 30, 100 years, property will always grow in monetary value. So will commodities. So will the price of meat or livestock. And so will human capital. That's why every year you need a raise because your boss needs to pay you 10 or 8% more to retain your services. It's actually not that these things grow in value is that the money value of things or, or, or the value of money decreases. It depreciates, we call it. Inflation, that's what inflation. So every year, do you know that every five years, every five years, the value of money halves? So whatever you could buy with, with 100 rand today, in five years' time, you can only buy 50 rands worth of goods with the same 100 rand. That's, that's, that's the weakness of currency. But these four wealth currencies that God had put in place, and you see when God blesses Abram, he talks about these four currencies. Every time God blesses somebody in Scripture, he reveals this four. He talks about the camels he had. He talks about the servants and the slaves he had. He talks about land that God promised him. And he talks about the gold and the commodities that God had given him. You can see it right through the Bible. 
Anyway, are you still there? Is this interesting or not? Okay, good. I just want to make sure I'm not missing you. So, but if we want to build wealth, we need to upgrade our thinking. You see, here's the reality. If I have a mindset that allows me to steward 100,000 rand, okay, now we get different salaries. Some people earn 10,000 rand or some people earn 20,000 rand. For some people, 50,000 is a lot. And for some people, 100,000 rand is a lot. Somebody recently said his, 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 his son asked him, um, Dad is $100,000 a lot of money. And then he said to his son, it was a lot of money when I didn't have it. <laughs> but the moment you have it, it becomes, but, but, but here's the key. All of us have been trained to handle a certain amount of money. If your amount is 100,000 rand and I give you 50,000 rand, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna find a way to multiply your 50,000 rand and make it 100,000 rand. Because your skill set and your mentality is on 100,000 rand. That's what you've been trained to steward. It's amazing. If your skill set and your mentality is 100,000 rand and somebody gives you a million bucks, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna find a way to grow your million rand back to 100,000 rand. It's true. Now find a way to squander 900,000 rand, you're gonna end up with 100,000 rand because that is the mentality that you've, been, that you've developed. And so if we want to build wealth God's way, we need to uncap our thinking. Many years ago, scientists did a study, and what they did is they took some fleas, and a flea is the animal that can jump the highest in comparison to its size. So a flea can jump about a meter high. And what they did is they took these fleas, put them in a container, and put a cap on at 30 centimeters. And guess what the fleas did? They jumped 29.9 centimeters. Once they hit their head, they just reduced their jumping height to avoid risk of injury. And they were jumping like that for an hour or two and then the scientists removed the lid and guess what the fleas did? They continued jumping 29.9 centimeters because now they had conditioned themselves that there is a lid above them. You see, your potential and my potential to create wealth, to do anything in life is almost like unlimited. But what happens in life Life puts a lid on us. The enemy uses life to put a lid on us and we bump our heads a few times and then we condition ourselves in order to avoid injury and risk of injury. We, we jump far below our potential, far below the calling of God on our lives and we limit our lives. We limit what God can do through our lives. I remember just before we moved to Joburg South, I was still at Hatfield Christian Church, one of the pastors there. And uh, one of my friends was called to the church where we currently serve, Pastor Kubis von Skalkweg. He was the youth pastor. And uh, on the, he was starting on the 3rd of January. On the 2nd of January, I brought Katinka to China Mall or something like that. And I had coffee with Kubis. And, and my first question when I met him, I said, when are you buying your first property? And straight out of his mouth came, I will never be able to afford my own property. That was his words. I will be a lifelong tenant. On the salary I'm earning, I will never own my own property. Boy, oh boy, never tell me never. Never tell God never. And I told him my beloved story about the fleas. And I challenged him and gave him a few ideas about property and how he can go about acquiring his own property. And Four months later, when we joined the church, I found Pastor Quibus eagerly seeking his first property. The lid has been blown off in his mind. His thinking was uncapped. Nine months later, he bought his first two-bedroom townhouse, and he was happy, he was very proud. 
There was no furniture in the townhouse, but he was there. There was a bed and that was it. But he, he was like a bachelor. I remember sleeping over at his house uh, when, when we did the transition one night and all he could give me was Viennas. <laughs> Just Viennas. <laughs> Not because he was poor, but because he was a bachelor. Okay? It's like, that's our bachelor's here, Viennas. Just like... Anyway... Where was I? So he bought his first property. Three months later, he realized he fell in love with this girl in the church and uh, there was a thing, uh, she was married before, but she had three children and, and he just fell in love with her and, 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 and knew that he wanted to marry her. But now he had a dilemma. He had a two-bedroom townhouse. So again, I sat down with him. I said, listen, do it like this. Rent your townhouse out. And within a couple of months, they bought a massive property in Alberton, I think about 2,000 square meter yard with multiple dwellings on. He's renting few flats out on this premise. It's paying for his house. He's staying for free. And I call him the Grand Baron van Alberton. You know, I don't know how to say that in English. But in thinking back, he said to me, Jan, he said, that, that day that you spoke to me, that evening I could not sleep when you told me the flea story. He says, when I closed my eyes, I wanted to sleep. All I could see was this fleas jumping up and down in my head. It challenged me. And I hope tonight that many of you won't sleep, that fleas would be jumping up and down in your head so that the Holy Spirit can blow your mentality and give you an uncapped mindset on His plans and His purposes for your life. Because as a man thinketh, so he will be. You see, the main thing that kept Israel out of their promised land was their mindset. Was their mindset. In the book, I write one chapter on 10 giants in the promised land. There are giants that would keep you out of your promised land. And all of those giants are mentalities, mindsets that we need to overcome when we wanna pursue our promised land. Amen? Because when I look at you, I don't see people who want to live and dwell in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering around in circles and wondering why they're wandering around in circles. You know, the Bible talks about signs and wonders. The other day I was driving and somebody threw me a sign while I was driving and then I was wondering what that mean. And that's, that's not the signs and wonders. But the... <laughs> I just need to use some humor to just keep, keep us awake. Okay. Then as God was speaking to me, I was asked this question, why wealth? Lord, why do you want me to do this thing on wealth? Um, just give me the motivation. What is the motivation behind this? And, 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 and this is what it is. The motivation of creating wealth should be to manifest the goodness of God on earth. If it's anything else, then your motive is wrong. If it's anything else, then it's the love of money. God talks about money thousands of times in Scripture. He's acutely interested in money because money reveals our heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. We cannot show the glory and the goodness of God to the world out there without resources. We can't. I mean, how are you going to be the light of the world if you can't pay your water and light account? <laughs> so God took me to study his goodness, when I asked him why, he said, study my goodness. So I read Genesis, and I think it's in chapter three, it says, whenever God started, whenever God created something after a day's work, he'd look back and he said, wow, this is good. 
Everything I wanted to express is expressed. And then God created man, and once more he stood back and he said, he didn't say it's good. This time he said, this is very good. Now the word very, you can, those of you who are Hebrew scholars, go and study the word very there in, in, in Genesis. The word very means, it's like a list of this long definitions, for, but it means vehemently good. It means abundantly good. And listen to this, it means extremely good. And it means fanatically good. When God places man in the center of creation and he looks at man, he says, this is the most extreme expression of my goodness. Boy, when God created you, when you were born, father looked back and he said, you are the most fanatic expression of my goodness on the face of the earth. If creation needs to know that I'm a good father, all they have to do is look at you because you're the most extreme and most fanatic expression. You're the most undeniable expression of my goodness on earth. Next time when you look in the mirror, tell yourself that. Tell yourself that you're the most fanatic and most extreme expression of father's goodness on earth. And then fast forward many years, Moses comes onto the mountain and this is really hilarious for me, I don't know. So Moses is on the mountain and God is on the mountain and the both of them are trying to disown five million Jews. <laughs> God goes, I'm fed up with these complaining bunch. I've had it with them. Moses, I will give you the promised land and the people, they can go in, but I am not going with you. Moses says, not a chance, God. This is your people. You brought them out of Egypt. <laughs> it's, like, it's like two parents. They are like, when the kids are good, they're my kids. When the kids are bad, they're your kids. That's it. <laughs> Moses goes, no, it's not a chance. God says, Moses, you're not hearing me correctly. I'll give you the promised land. I'll give you the vision. I'll give you all the blessings and the, the, the wealth. I will give you all of that. I'll even send an angel with you, but I am not going with you. <laughs> Moses says, not a chance. He says, God, if you don't go with us into the promised land, the nations out there will say that you could, you were able to bring us out of Egypt, but not able to bring us in. And so God said, okay, Moses, I'll go with you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And, and Moses realized that he's found favor with God. Obviously he's found favor. He could negotiate with God for his presence. Amazing. And then Moses takes another step in his negotiations with God. He says, Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me your glory. And, and I can just imagine Moses goes, then show me your glory. Because up to that point, no one has seen the glory or the face of God and lived to tell the story. So he was expecting like a light. So he goes like, show me your glory and then step back or something like that. And God says, I can't show you the fullness. You can't see me face to face because you will die. He says, but I will declare my glory to you. And when God walks, he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock, he walks past him and he says, Moses, I'm all about goodness. You can read it. I'm all about loving kindness and goodness. Why? Because the glory of God is the goodness of God. The goodness of God is the glory of God.
Maybe Moses could have died because he was a sinful man seeing the glory of God. But here's another thought, another interpretation, and I don't think either is right or wrong. I think both could be right. What if God said, Moses, if I manifest the fullness of my goodness to you, full frontal, your heart will explode. You'll die. Not because of the sin-holiness equation, but because of your heart will not be able to contain the revelation of my goodness. So I'm gonna hide you, I'm gonna walk, you're gonna see my goodness from behind and then I'm gonna declare to you that I'm good. Moses, you wanna see my glory? Look for my goodness. And so what's the purpose of wealth? The purpose of wealth is this privilege that we could steward the goodness of God on earth. We become custodians of the goodness of God, not only of the goodness, but of the glory of God. Because when you do an act of kindness to someone who don't deserve it, and when you have the resources to bless someone who don't deserve it, you can manifest the love and the goodness of a God to them that they've never known before. And that is stewarding the glory of God. Why wealth? I believe God wants to give us wealth so that we can become stewards of His glory and His goodness on earth. Is that good? Okay. Can I go to the Genesis scripture and quickly give you the wealth plan and then we're done. We're gonna pray. Is that all right? You're still with me. Is it all right? Okay. Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in his own image. And when I read this, he just opened up. The image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Listen, God blessed them and said to them, can you imagine the first thing God does when he creates man is he blesses them. Why? Because he determined that man will not live on the face of the earth apart from his blessing. God did not design you and I to live one day without the blessing of heaven on our lives. But the blessing is qualified. God blessed them and said, and some Bibles would have a semicolon there, which means what, whatever is preceding is now being qualified by what is coming. Be fruitful, number one, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and so on and so on. I wanna give you four pillars of wealth, four pillars of creating wealth. If you look at the next screen, there's a conduit pipe that flows from heaven is the blessing of God. God bless them. In, in heaven, you would see God is good. God is nothing else but good and love. And he's called us at the bottom, you'll see this little box that we are called to show God's glory and his goodness on earth. So the wealth that we build is a container out of which we will bless the nations of the earth. God said to Abram, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your seed. In other words, your children will be so stinking rich and wealthy that they will bless nations. How many of you wanna bless nations? We wanna bless nations. We also wanna bless our neighbor. We wanna bless the domestic worker that works in our home. We wanna, wherever we go, we wanna bless people, okay? But it starts with the blessing of God flowing into our lives. And there are four pillars that uphold the blessing of God. God says to, to Adam, I need you to produce. You're called to produce. My blessing on your life is qualified by the power to produce. Listen, everything God creates holds productive power, the power to produce in their lives. Every seed can reproduce. Every animal can reproduce. And you hold within you great productive power. The wealth that God wants to give you is tied up to what God has placed you on this earth to produce. The world we live in consists of consumers and producers. True or not? The Bible talks about ants and locusts. The ants are, are producers. They, they gather, they store up. The locusts 
are consumers. I remember as a young kid, it's about 13 years old, one day cycling home from school with my buddies and then coming close to the house, there was this dark cloud over our house. When we looked up, it was a swarm of locusts, thousands, millions and millions of them. We followed the cloud like boys. We wouldn't go for lunch. We followed the cloud. And this cloud of locusts, they came down on a felt close by our house. And within 10 minutes, that whole felt was gone, consumed. The world has created something called consumerism. And by the way, do you know that consumer debt did not happen by accident, but by design? Some years ago, the wealthiest people in the world sat around a boardroom table and say, now that we can't, now that slavery is abolished, we can't enslave people physically, how are we gonna own the poor and middle class people of the world again? And they came up with a strategy called consumer debt. It's true. Because if you owe someone money, you're a slave to that person or that institution, the Bible says. I've got some consumer debt that I'm not very happy over, so it's not, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm just saying it so that we can understand the traps and the schemes of the devil. Is it all right? Because God wants to set us free, okay? No condemnation, but listen to this. One day I sat down and I realized I'm not working for me. Even as a pastor, I'm not working for me. I'm not working for God. I'm serving God, but I'm earning a salary. Here's, here's what it is. The first five days of every working month, I'm working for APSA to pay for my house. The next four days, I'm working for NetBank to pay for my car. Then I'm working three days for Standard Bank to pay for my credit card, five days for Discovery to pay for my med medical aid. And at the end of the month, I've just consumed and pay my debtors. And unfortunately, that's the reality of so many believers. The doors are open. Liam Neeson and his crew is coming in. The devil is coming in and they're robbing us and we are budgeting every month for how the devil will rob us. And we are slaves to another master. But God has called you to produce. One day, we were really under pressure financially and I cried out unto God, expecting that he will tell me all the things that I'm not doing right and how I'm mismanaging my funds. And the next moment, God spoke to me and he said to me, what do you have? What do you have? And I said, Lord, we've got our house. That's what we have. He said, what do you have in the house? We've got a flat, Lord. He says, what can you do with the flat? I said, we can convert it into a rentable flat. He said, go for it. Spend 100,000 rand converting the flat and I rented out for 5,000 rands at that time, I think. So I can pay my bond of 1,000 rand and make 4,000 rand profit. Suddenly, it alleviated some of the pressure. After that, he challenged me. He said, you are consuming everything that I'm giving you. I didn't give you this house to consume it. I gave it to, to be an income, a stream of income. Subsequently, we have developed so many flats on that place. It's just amazing how much income you can generate from one property. You see, I had to shift from being a consumer to becoming a producer because you have productive power on the inside of you. It's one of the laws that govern God's universe, the power to produce. The second pillar is, is multiply, increase in number. It's the second law that govern God's universe. It's the power to multiply what you've been given. One sunflower seed can reproduce itself 2,800 times. God's universe is governed 
by this power to multiply. And he's placed that power to multiply within you. Turn to someone you love and say, you have the power to multiply. God, God entrusts God entrust talents to each one of us, right? And you know the, the parable of the talents. And when God comes back to us, he expects a return on investment. He expects us to multiply what he's given us. And the one servant who received only one and did not multiply, but hid it away because he was afraid. Fear will always hinder you from producing and multiplying what God has given you. And God said to him, the master said to him, he said, you're a lazy and a wicked servant. You were unfaithful and therefore he cast him out into the outer darkness. Sounds like hell almost, where there's a gnashing of teeth. But the servant who had two or five talents, they multiplied what they had received and the master said, you're a good and faithful servant. Over little you are faithful, over much I will give you authority. And the Luke version, I think it's in Luke 10, it's so beautiful. I don't know if it's in Luke 10, but it's in Luke. Anyway, it's in Luke, okay? The Luke version of the story says, you were faithful over five talents, I will give you authority over 10 cities. How many of you know that the church is actually called to govern cities and nations and things like that in the spirit realm? We fail to govern that because we're not getting the money thing right. Jesus says this, if you're faithful with unrighteous mammon, I will entrust to you true spiritual riches. What is true spiritual riches? True spiritual riches is the authority to govern cities and nations because we were faithful with unrighteous money. True spiritual riches is the privilege that we have to steward God's goodness on earth, to become custodians of the glory of God on earth because we get the money thing right. We're not slaves, but we're servants of God. We're stewards of what God has given. But God has given you the power to produce, the power to multiply. There was this young boy in Venda and one of my friends was a doctor there and he engaged him at the time and discipled him. And when my friend moved back to Pretoria, he got a call from this, this young boy who was finished with school at the time. And he said, Do you, can you not organize a, a job for me as a security guard in Pretoria? And my friend said, no, I won't, but you can come and visit me for a weekend. I will help you. So he also didn't pay for his bus. He said, borrow some money. I will give you the money back. Come, come, come and visit me. And then over the weekend, he spent time and just challenged his thinking, helped him to uncap his thinking. And he gave him a business plan. He says, when you go back, I'm not gonna give you the money, but when you go back, go and borrow 200 rand from somebody, some, somebody you know and buy bananas and go and sit out of the, the, the local hospital because they lived just next, the township was just next to the hospital. Buy, buy 200 rand's worth of bananas and sell it. And when, when you sell it for a profit of 280 or 300 rand a day, take all of the money and buy bananas the next day with that as well and go and sell it. And after one week, repay your loan and then you continue. This young man went back to Venda and within four months, he had employed 15 other people who were sitting at 15 different locations selling bananas and all sorts of fruits and vegetables. He had bought four spaza shops and bought himself a little brand new truck, okay, with which he did all his deliveries. At that time, that was about 20 years ago, he was earning 150,000 rand profit a month. And he employed his entire family. The power to multiply, the power to produce when we uncap our thinking. I've got many stories, but 
not much time. The third pillar is occupy. God calls us to occupy. He says, occupy the earth, fill the earth. And the word there in the, in the Hebrew language of occupy also refers to our occupation. I believe that our occupation is so important in this journey of creating wealth because when God fills the whole earth with his glory, he needs you and I to occupy some space. How many of you know that the word work in the Hebrew abat also means worship? So you're thinking you're coming to a service, worshiping God, that's great. But your actual worship service starts tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. Work was designed to worship something or someone. It's the same Hebrew word, work and worship. So tomorrow morning, you're not going in, in, into your office singing in tongues there and driving anybody. Look, everybody thinks you're crazy anyway, but, but kind of hide it a little bit. But the way you do your work, the way we do our work is gonna worship someone or something. And if we worship, if we work with a bad attitude, how many of you know that God's not gonna get glory? And God wants you to occupy your space, to occupy your occupation with a good attitude and serve as if unto the Lord. And the final pillar of wealth is govern. He said, Adam and Eve, I want you to govern, exercise dominion. This is so important. Nations fall because of bad governance, bad stewarding. Good businesses fold because of bad stewarding. Good products, good services, but they make bad decisions on the stewarding part and then it falls. The same friend of mine, Pastor Quibbers, has got all of these flats on his property and his electricity, his water account runs into tens of thousands of rands at the municipality. They're coming to cut his water. He's a big guy. His brother played for Italy. He scored the try that cost us the game, by the way. So, but anyway, he fights with them. Now, when this big guy starts fighting over the counter, at the, you know, when you fight with the guys at the municipality, you lost it already. It's done. You've finished cutting off your water. So he's in, he's in real trouble. He gets leak detecting guys. They can't find the leak. They, they dig up his old garden. No, no leak. And he, he doesn't know what to do. One day the, the tenants is move out or whatever and he hears this running water. He goes into their bathroom and he finds that there's a leak in the toilet and it's a small rubber seal. He pays seven rand. Seven rand to fit a new seal. But that seven rand has cost him thousands, tens of thousands of rands in water bills. You see, it's the small leaks, the small foxes that destroys the vineyard. You see, God is the best steward, the ultimate steward in the universe. Why would he entrust more to me if everything he's giving to me is leaking out? Oftentimes we think we need a raise in income, but we don't need a raise in income. We need a raise in our thinking. We need a raise in stewarding. We need a raise in how we produce and multiply what God has given us. If I can define stewarding, I would define it as such. It is managing the seed resources that God has given you so that you can fulfill your life purpose and be a blessing to others. Think about this. How many of you know that your salary whatever you're earning right now, is not, it's not enough to fulfill your life purpose. It's not enough. It's only a seed resource. 
If you steward that wisely, you take that, you multiply it, you produce with that, you occupy with that, you govern it well, then that will multiply and then that will be enough to fulfill your life purpose and be a blessing to other people. So what is good stewarding? It's not just clinging to what I have, but he's using what I have, like the servant with the two talents or the five talents, multiplying what I've received so that I can fulfill my life purpose. Do you know that one talent in the parable, one talent equals let me just get it right, 15 years of salary. So literally God comes to you after 15 years of working and he says, what have you done with what I've given you? How have you multiplied it? Two talents equals 30 years in the workforce. How many of you have been working for 30 years or close to 30? No, don't put up your hands. <laughs> this conviction may come. <laughs> and after 30 years, God comes and he says, what have you, how have you multiplied what I've given you? And the five talents is 75 years of working. What have you done with what I've given you? And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to inspire you because you are promised land people. And in the promised land, God says, I will give you the power to create wealth. will give you the ability and the adaptability, it means, to generate wealth. I wanna do activation prayer, if that's all right. And um, let's, let's just give the book away before we do that. Um, is there someone with a name Jenny or Jennifer. Is that, is that you, ma'am? This is yours. Do you have a son? I don't know if it's for him, but what is his name? It might be for him, I'm, I'm not sure. But I mean, you can read it first and then give it to my son. <laughs> can, can you, do you have a, a token of money or a wallet or a credit card or something? I want everyone to, to just have something that, that's a token of money. I'm not gonna take up an offering. I never take up an offering when I talk about money. But we're gonna do activation prayer. Okay. God, God says through Elijah to Israel, he says, today you must choose. Either you're gonna serve me or you're gonna serve Baal. You decide who you're gonna serve. You can't serve both. Do you know that Baal was the Canaanites' God of prosperity? You see, Israel believed that it was Jehovah that brought them out of Egypt, but it was Baal that was gonna prosper them in the promised land. So they had a dual faith. It's called, it's called dualism. And God said, you can't have both. Either you believe in me or in Baal, but not both. Jesus makes the same statement in the New Testament, but he changes the words. He says, you can't serve God and Mammon because the Old Testament Baal is the New Testament Mammon. It's the same thing. And this morning I spoke about Gideon and I wanna encourage you to get the message and download it or whatever. But, but one of the things that I didn't touch on the, th th this morning is God says to Gideon, listen, he says, he says, I want you to go and tear down the altar of Baal that was erected on your father's property and build in its place a proper altar to worship me. God is saying, Gideon, your dad had built, had erected an altar that worships money, that worships the Canaanites God of prosperity, that worships mammon. And you grew up becoming so familiar with this structure of worshiping money that it's become second nature. If you wanna break through into the promised land that I have for you, you need to deal with this and tear down this altar of Baal. What is the altar of Baal? It can be many things, but one of the things it is, it's mindsets that we develop. How many of you grew up and your parents told you, no, there's no money for that. We're not gonna do that. 
that is a thought pattern that worships Baal or money. Let me tell you why. I was called to go on an outreach when I was at Bible school and I said to my pastor, I said, if, if I get the money, I will go. And then a week before I had to pay my money, he asked me, where's the money? I said, I don't have it. And then the Lord spoke to me. He says, it's because money is your God. You don't have money. He says, you are saying, if money allows me to go on this outreach, then I will go. If money gives me permission to go and do God's work, then I will do His work. But if money says I can't, then I can't. He says, this is what I want you to do. You decide today whether you're gonna go on with outreach or not. You decide today whether you're gonna honor and obey me and you'll see money will come. I made that decision within two days, I had all the money for the outreach. You see, we have been programmed to say there's no money. Money doesn't allow us to go on a holiday. Money doesn't allow us to go on the outreach. Money doesn't allow us to do this or that or that. And we are dictated by money and not led by the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna, we're gonna break this thing of our lives tonight. Is that all right? I, I, I need everyone to have something tangible of money, either a wallet or a credit card or, or, or a coin. Who doesn't have anything? We, we have to share. Even if, you have, if somebody has 50 cents or cents, can we share? Everybody must have something in their hands. I need something. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm out of cash here. <laughs> no, no, my wife's got my wallet. Just give it. But you must also have something. Do you have something else? I'll give it back to you. I might. Okay, thanks, Nate. Okay, just, do you have something? Everybody, who doesn't have something? Don't be afraid. We're gonna break something. My sister there at the back doesn't have anything. Can somebody just help her? They were the, they just with the cream, is it the cream? Yes, are you sorted? Who doesn't have? Don't be afraid. Money causes shame. The kingdom of God releases us of that shame. There's no shame, okay? Everybody has. Okay, Stan, are you, are you all right? Are you, are you keen to do this? Okay, wonderful. So it's, it's, we're gonna do a declaration and I want you to do it with all your heart, with all, with all your mind, with all your soul. Say, thank you, Father, that you're giving me the power to create wealth, that you wanna bless me until the rich people call me blessed, until it overflows, because I am Abram's seed and your promises and all the nations of the world they're gonna be blessed because of me, because I'm your child. And you've given me the power to create wealth. But I realize, Lord, that I've been limiting you and I've been limiting myself because to a large extent, I've made money my master. And you clearly said, Jesus, that we cannot have two masters. So tonight I choose that money will no longer be my master in Jesus' name. Okay, so what I want you to do now, we're gonna continue, but just throw down whatever it is you're holding on the floor. And now we're gonna talk to money. Say money. I am here tonight to inform you that as from this day, you have lost your mastery over me. You are no longer my master. You will no longer dictate what I can and what I can't do in Jesus' name. I am here to inform you that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that He is my Master, that He is my Provider, 
and that He has given me the power to master over you. So I'm here to inform you, money, that you're no longer my master, but that Jesus is my master. If He says I can do something, I can do it. If He says I can go somewhere, I can go somewhere. If He says it, I believe it, and that settles it. So money, we need to sort out something here. We need to establish something here. You're no longer the master. Jesus is my master. That means that I now am your master. So I'm here to inform you, Mr. Money, that you are here to serve the purposes of God in my life, to advance the kingdom of God, to manifest the goodness of God, and to steward the glory of God through being generous on the face of the earth. And so, Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And we give you all the praises in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering in this place.